Be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. You are listening to Romantic Truth with Josen, your host in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. We're going to continue on with the three taboos of dating, which are sex, politics, and religion. Well, we covered sex in the first uh, episode on yesterday. In this episode, we're going to tackle politics and religion. Now, with politics, of course, we have our own persuasions. We have our own beliefs. But if it goes unmentioned, let me tell you what happens. People repress their feelings, and then when it comes out, sometimes it comes out in a way that people are not expecting and in ways that people may not really appreciate it. So it's always best to have open communication with consideration of your partner. The consideration portion of it is the listening. The acknowledgement. That's the consideration. The understanding. Is it the right environment, the right time to really discuss the issue? That's what it's about. Now, what are some of the things that couples find that they come into an impasse with. Topics about the economy is one. Of course, the rights of women is another. Pro-choice, those rights. And the other one is crime. Now, on two of them, you probably get an accord. The economy and crime. When it comes down to a woman's rights, or right to choose. That could be a problem if you don't talk about it. He could be a pro-lifer. You could be a pro-choicer. Now, that works if you guys are not expecting to have any more children. You could have your differences and still get along. However, if if you're a couple and you're thinking about having children, having a family, that could be problematic. Now, women are more willing to let go of a guy who's not within her political spectrum over a man. A man will go and kind of yield to her demands or her requests. However, the only problem is he may still want to pursue that agenda himself with his own predetermined beliefs philosophies. In other words, he still may believe that he's pro-life, but he's not going to bring it up. He doesn't want to start an argument. He'll cross that bridge when he gets to it. Now, the other thing, as I told you, there have been several couples that have written in about, well, not couples, but people involved in relationships and marriages that have written in about their disdain about their partner based on their political beliefs. Two Trumpers left, were actually abandoned by their families. One lady actually divorced her husband as a result of the prompting of her daughters because the father became too difficult to live with, too difficult to deal with, and he alienated his family based on this philosophy. Now, it can get to that level. See, you never know what triggers a person. 
when you notice that change, it's best to address it immediately. Don't let it fester like she did. She made excuses because of the way he was treating his daughters after he had that epiphany when Trump ran for office, the way he treated his family, how he treated everybody else, his job. So he came consumed by this to the point where the kids were literally giving her the paperwork for the divorce. Now, here's the thing. It may sound like it's something that really wouldn't ruin a relationship, but it actually does. Because we're so politically divided now in this country. You have not only liberal versus conservative, you also have people who are actually expressing themselves versus those who try to basically repress their feelings. If you notice with conservative people, they're very repressive. You look at the church, very repressive institution. So you have two extremes. You have one where you want to express yourself. You have the other one where you want to repress yourself. So you have to decide on what's going to be the happy medium, how you guys are going to get along. Most people who are successful in relationships when they talk about politics are usually moderates. Even extremists have their limits, believe it or not. And that can also be divisive and problematic. You see, the one thing that you have to remember about talking about politics and relationships is that this could be the deal breaker for some people. Now, most of these dating apps would allow you to go and put up what you believe in, whether you're pro-choice, whether you're pro-life or whatever, so that the person knows, hey, I know I can't really press that button with this person. Let me move on to someone else. Now, another thing too, if you will notice on apps like OkCupid, for instance, when they ask the question about politics or anything, they're trying to measure how important it is. Is it very important to you? Moderately important or not so important? What they're trying to do is to gauge your enthusiasm on it so when a person sees the answer to your questions, they have an idea. Because just because you match doesn't necessarily mean that you're compatible. In some of these dating apps where they have these questions that even involve sex, some people will exclude you if you answer any of the questions in regards to sex or politics or religion. I think it's ridiculous, but some people make that judgment that way. Now, another thing too about this political environment, we dehumanize each other, unfortunately. We objectify each other. It becomes very hostile, very visceral. And the sad truth about this is that this has a lot to do with how we feel about ourselves. We have to transfer that on to someone else to make ourselves feel better. Even if it means we bring that person down to our level. That's the reason why negative people are very toxic. But if you really look at it, a lot of these dating apps are actually 
in some ways promoting toxic relationships. The easier they're making it for you to hook up with a person. Toxicity. The only thing you have to do is slip up and have an STD or get pregnant and you're in trouble. And folks, let me uh, clarify something here. In some states, if you transfer an STD and you knew you had it, that person finds out they could actually sue you. Please understand that. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but they could take you to court. Please be mindful of that because some people just pass it on just like it's a damn rite of passage, and it's not. Now, Allen writes the following out of Atlanta, Georgia. I have to be honest with you, dude. I've listened to your podcast and I've made some decisions in my life based on it. Not because you influenced me, not because you told me to do something, but because I really thought about some things I'm dealing with. There is this lady that's in Atlanta where I live where I've been really skeptical on sleeping with her. Haven't done it yet. She's always acting like she's this player and then comes around and wants me to devote myself to her and commit myself. Every time we got close to have sex, I backed away. Now she's calling me gay. She's saying that something's wrong with me. She's saying a whole bunch of things. I got a little dick. You name it. Here's the reason why I'm afraid to sleep with her, just like I'm afraid to sleep with any woman in this town. STDs float around this place just like water. I hate to say it, but that's the way it is. Some of these women are sleeping with download dudes. Some of these women are sleeping with other transsexuals. And I'm really deathly afraid of fucking anything in this town. I've been starting to look at Charlotte. I found a lady in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've been kicking it for a minute. I'm really feeling her vibe. She's not like the Atlanta women. She's down-home country girl. She's saving herself for the right man, and she's a virgin. Now, I know you have a, a position about virgins, but for me, this would be ideal. I'm 22 years old. I don't want to wind up like my friend. He's got herpes. His life is fucked. I don't want to be that guy. Am I doing the right thing by doing this? Or do you think I should just go on and take my chances and put on a jimmy? Would love to hear your response on this. But right now, I think I've made my choice. Alan, Atlanta, Georgia. Alan, you're a smart man. Here's the thing. If you don't feel it, don't do it. And right now, if you're not feeling it, don't do it. See, I'm very skeptical about fucking with anything out of Atlanta. Seriously. No shade on Atlanta, same thing with Houston. No shade on Houston. It's just, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Same thing with Chicago. Not because the people are bad or anything like that. But here's the thing. It's the attitude towards STDs. That's what I don't like where people are saying, well, you know, it's just something that happened. No, it's not. If you can fuck up your health, it ain't something that just happens. So you have to be careful. Now, you don't have to be paranoid by no stretch, but you got to be very, very selective because most of those people are too sexually active. And that's problematic. When you start getting into the weeds like that, there are going to be problems. So you have to go and pull back a bit. 
Because if you don't, it's going to lead to more issues for you later. I can't tell you how many people when I was out there on the dating scene those 30 plus years, people that came down with herpes, people that came down with AIDS. It was bad. It was really bad. And the thing was at the time, people thought that AIDS only affected gay people, people that did drugs. And so they kept doing it. They didn't care. They said, oh, it couldn't happen to me. But it did happen to a lot of people I know. And it was really sad to see them go through the shit they had to go through, their families, everybody else. Because I'm going to tell you, I did like Vanessa Del Rio. When that shit hit, oh, I was really triple strapped because there was no way in the hell I was going to take that risk. Now, here's the thing. People who have these STDs are not bad people. However, what they have to look at sometimes is that there's a risk in going raw. Definite risk. They had a lady on TikTok talking about how she had gonorrhea in her throat. Not a cool thing. Not a cool thing at all. So, the thing you have to realize with this is that it also influences the way we approach sex even when it comes down to politics. See, the thing is, there's a stereotype associated with liberals. You notice the way the Republicans say it, you know, damn liberals, you know, like that, as if they're calling you another name that starts with an N. But here's the thing you got to consider. They also group you in the category of those people that are promiscuous, those people that are irresponsible, those people that are touchy-feely and wanted to just have sex and just be irresponsible. Then you got a wing of the right that's forthright, believing that they're doing the good of God, the good of man, and therefore they're the policemen for the rest of us heathens on this planet. They feel as though that they're the right hand of God. And so their level of morality and purity is supposed to be off. But let's face a few things here. We all have flaws. And even though these people sometimes present themselves as being responsible people, doesn't matter what political persuasion they are, they may contradict themselves. More often than not, you will see this. And the reason why is because when a person has an image to uphold, they're going to uphold that image, at least around the people they don't know. The people they do know, they're going to let their hair down. Now, the other thing we have to look at is that being associated with a political party, people automatically start creating judgments about you, about the caliber of person you are about how irresponsible you are based on that or how responsible they assume you to be. But this is all conjecture, not based on fact. They don't really know. 
So let's face some facts here, folks. In your case, Alan, you made a wise choice. I'd go to Charlotte, start with somebody fresh, start with somebody, but you still run the risk, so there's no guarantee with her either. But the thing is, you're lessening your chances of probably running into something, at least psychologically, because this lady in Atlanta, she's kind of enjoying the moment. Now, there's an abundance of women in Atlanta that are good, that are clean, that are available. But here's the problem. In many ways, ladies, men dating women in Atlanta is just like you dating a bunch of men or trying to decipher through a bunch of men which one's the right one. See, we have that problem more than you do when it comes down to making decisions on people to date. Because see, our standards are a little bit lower than yours. So you can go in to a place like Anchorage, Alaska, or somewhere where there's a large male population, and you had to pick up the litter. Well, with us men, we're not used to that. We're used to being in competition with other men. So therefore, when there's an abundance of women, sometimes we don't make the best choice because we're not afforded that luxury. Now, another thing too, with this political thing, and Alan, I thank you for writing in. The other thing we got to think about with this political environment, we're very divided. And it doesn't matter. I know people like to say, well, you know, we're the same race, we're the same religion, but you may be different politically. You may be different philosophically. You both could be Democrats and have different views on it. I have a different view on democracy more so than other Democrats do, and even Republicans for that matter. And it varies, and you may not get along, but you gotta reach a happy medium in order to function. Sitting there, saying that you're not gonna talk about it, you both are alienating yourselves and putting yourself in a position where it would be awkward for you to really address the issue. And it might even start an argument. But you wanna keep it civil. The communication is the bi-directional tool to use to express yourselves. The consideration is the concern for the feelings, the sentiments, and all of the other uh, accompanying emotions a person may have based on your determination. Just keep that in mind. Now, the other thing about politics in this situation, the one thing that is very difficult to deal with, and I've dealt with this before and won't deal with it again, dealing with an activist. That person that believes in a cause so much until you cannot be around them unless you sign on to that cause and whether or not you participate with them actively to support that cause. That could be mind-numbing and boring, and let me tell you, a lot of times these folks wind up with no one. Because after a while, you get tired of hearing the same old shit. You you get tired of hearing the same old argument. You get tired of the adversaries. You know, it's interesting how a lot of people are now pushing all of this different 
information out about historical stuff about different communities and backgrounds, talking about, you know, stuff like I was listening to this one podcast today where the lady was talking about, well, we lost our roots, we lost our communications to Africa, our, our bond with Africa. Here's the problem. We've been away from that country, those countries, I should say, for hundreds of years. Those people don't know us. Yes, they would love us to visit tourism dollars. They would love us to go and try to find our ancestors and everything because that's a tourist industry. They can make money on that. But let's face it. Outside of the U.S. records, we know very little about our history. Some do, some don't. It depends on the manifest. And here's the thing. This will give you a sense of belonging, a sense of self, but really what is it doing? You're in America living better than many people in those other countries. Even if you're going to the 99 cent store and have an EBT card, you're doing better than a lot of people over in those other countries. So what if you do find out? Would you be at ease? Are you expected to get a hug, some sort of uh, reconciliation? One reason why I say that, I look at people that are from other countries that had ancestors that were back in their native land. But these people weren't first generation or second, third generation immigrants. These people have been here four, five, six generations. They know about their parents and their family, but they may not be able to track back their ancestry. And sometimes what we'll do, we'll spend more time looking in the past than looking forward. Even with myself. I can only trace my family back as far as I can go with them. And the only reason why I was able to do that was because my father was old. Wasn't for that, hell, I'd have been lost. But the thing is, you also have to live for today. The suffering the demoralization, the degradation that they went through was for a purpose, for us to do better. And we would like to acknowledge the past, true enough, nothing's wrong with that. But don't make it an obsession that it occupies that space called your life for the rest of it. But you need to enjoy your life because it is yours. It's the only one you have. Now, another thing too. This void of belonging that we have, many African Americans have in this country, yeah, we can attribute it to slavery for sure. But what we also have to realize is that sometimes we have to realize that we've got to make our own way. 
You look at some of the accomplishments African Americans have made since we've been here. That shouldn't be thrown away. We marginalize some of the things that we've accomplished, but by the same token, we don't appreciate the people that have done it. And we don't appreciate ourselves for going forward. Instead of teasing that kid who's going to college, try to better himself because he's not cool, because he's not hip, because he's not into what you're into, you should encourage him to go. You know, even in L.A., when I had friends that were in that life, they would always make it a point to have enough respect for me as a friend to say, man, you ain't about this life. This ain't you. And they would always tell me, man, just just do better. Do better than us. I wasn't leaving them behind. One thing, one realization that I found from them more than anything, they owned it. They said, I chose this life, man. I know where the school is. I know I could do right by the law. But this is me. This is what I chose. This is all I know. And this is what I'm happy with. I couldn't come in there and be a missionary and try to change them. That's what they wanted. And sometimes that's what has to happen. And you have to come to that realization. Some people are just willing to take a risk more than you are. Doesn't make you less than a person. Doesn't make them less. It's a lifestyle that they chose. Now, The other thing about politics is that we try to blame everything on it. I'm talking about all of us, not just African American. I'm talking about everyone. It's the drainage ditch for everything that's wrong in society. It's the problem. And religion is supposed to be the cure. That's the way we've been brought up to believe. Politics the problem, God's going to save the day. But when we look at God, we look at it from the standpoint of what we consider God to be. And you can tell just by all these different denominations of churches, it's all about the way you set your values, the way you pray, the way you value people based on that religion. You have some religions where they won't even talk to other people of others. They'll tell somebody else they're going to hell and don't even know them. They'll tell you they're all prayed up. You need to save your soul. And then you ask them, what guarantee do you have that you're going to heaven? Oh, well, I prayed and I talked to the Lord. Oh, okay, so you got VIP membership behind the velvet rope. Pretty proud of you when you're getting your robe and your wings. Come on now. But this is what we led to believe. And the danger is when we fuse fuse politics and religion. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. 
Now, one thing that some Americans want to do is to do just that, fuse politics and religion together. Republicans are trying to do it. They've been quoting the evangelicals for decades, trying to get this thing where we could have a national religion, national language, pretty much like what the United Kingdom has. But here is the thing. The forefathers fought very diligently to avoid that from happening. Because they lived under it. We only lived under democracy in this country. Those who were the forefathers had to deal with English rule at that time. But that was for a very short period. But if you look at it overall, we're bored with our democracy. That's what's happening. That's the reason why we're venturing out, talking about having all of this stuff about a national language, national religion, national this, national that. The way America has been strong is by this diversity. People we brought in from different countries, they had different talents and abilities. Had that not been the case, we wouldn't have the atomic bomb, we wouldn't have the advances in medicine, we wouldn't have technology, we wouldn't have Amazon, and the list goes on and on and on. But we don't realize how fortunate we are. Our very democracy is the very thing that saves us a safe place where people can come and be free and exploit their talents and abilities. That's what we have at our advantage. That is the winning ticket for us. If you think about it, if Germany was like us during World War II or even before then, they would have a good lion's share of the intelligentsia in the world. Which meant that we would have been playing catch-up. Because we think about it, we look at all the people that left Germany and Europe to come here. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have the atomic bomb. It would have been a situation that would have been very, very unpleasant. So, it came out favorably for us. On all channels. In all regards. So, we shouldn't sell our stuff short based on that. So, as corny as it may sound, folks... We spit a gift horse in the mouth every time we challenge this democracy instead of building it. It's a work in progress. One of the few things that was created just on a thought, just on a belief, to work out so well. Could have been a hell of a lot worse. 
but it hasn't been. Thank goodness. Now, let's look at a few things here. What are some of the benefits we do have in our society when it comes to politics? Nobody's asking you who did you vote for that's wearing a uniform and carrying a machine gun in their hand. Thank goodness. Even though some people would like to do that, but this is not Russia. And sometimes we forget these things because we're so used to the humdrum, everyday run-of-the-mill garbage that they put in these political ads and everything else. They treat us like children. I couldn't wait until the midterms were over with because I got so sick of seeing those sophomoric ads. And now they have the one talking about uh, what do they call it, left-wing racism now? Because uh, some people weren't admitted to a university as if we have others that they could actually get into if you can't get into one. What's the big deal? You had a whole race of people that were denied to get into any institution in these United States. So, welcome to the club. It happens. Look, I was watching a, a show last night about the CIA and the OSS. And it reminded me of when my father talked about the Tuskegee Airmen years ago. And he talked about how those 400 or so people weren't treated for syphilis. But I think it was supposed to be a 40-year experiment or something like that. And in the 25th year, they gave them a check for one year, a dollar for one year that they participated. And they wanted to see the long-term effects on syphilis because one of the plans was to, during the World War, have prostitutes infect German soldiers with syphilis. It was a thought that they were kicking around. And it's no secret, the Nazis also had some of their soldiers on drugs to numb them from some of the atrocities. And it was egregious, but that's what they did. They had in uh, one situation taken these prostitutes and gave them LSD to give to men while they observed the reaction and how these women manipulated them to get questions out of them, answers out of them about certain things that pertain to the government. They were doing these things in order to see whether or not there was a truth serum that they could make. 
You see, there was a lot of unethical things done during those periods. The Germans experimented on mentally ill people. And it was really pathetic how they did that, but they did. And these things were normalized because of one fundamental thing. It was about winning. It wasn't about the people. If you look at what has happened historically, what did Adolf Hitler do when he first got in office? Sat in accord with the Catholic Church. Did not make himself emperor or like a son of God or something like that. He knew better. That would have offended the Protestants and the Catholics. It was more beneficial for him to go about it that way. To just go along and do things in such a way where he didn't have any pushback. Because the one thing he didn't want to do was offend the people, the very people he was trying to appeal to and manipulate them. He created a common adversary. And with all regimes, they have to do that. And of course, with Trump, the adversary was who? The Democrats, the left, the people that didn't become loyal to him. And with this, this form of allegiance leads to a detriment, no matter how we look at it. Because what happens, as I've told you before, you can be loyal to someone, but when you're loyal to a fault, you only work against yourself. You work for no one else. So you don't want to put yourself in that predicament. That includes a relationship. You co-sign on with a partner's beliefs just because of the fact that you want to be close to them. It has very little to do with your standing as a human being. It has a lot to do with you trying to fit in. And sometimes you co-sign on the things that you really are not cool with. You go against your standards, your values, and your morals. And you wind up hurting yourself in the long run. We see it done all the time. People do it all the time. And then you have the buyer's remorse later on. There was a couple in Los Angeles decades ago, and this man met this woman at this restaurant, restaurant and bar. He was charismatic, could sing very well. This lady was nearsighted. She had to wear glasses. And for a while there, they thought that she was blind before she got her glasses. People used to tease her. Well, 
this guy, once she got her glasses, found her very attractive. They got together as a couple. She had low self-esteem at the time, been abused in past relationships. And this guy showed her a modicum of interest. Well, that interest he showed her, she reciprocated by giving him loyalty. What she didn't know about this man was that he was going around the valley area, Ventura Boulevard, different places, and picking up prostitutes and killing them in a van. And of course, she had to prove her loyalty and love to him by doing the same. Working with him, she was able to do this. She had to please him. So she thought in order to keep him in her life, because she didn't want to be alone again. Well, after it was over with and they were busted, she tried to make it seem like he was the one that made her do these things. And she went to prison with him. And what you have to realize, folks, when it comes to influence, politics, religion, there are so many influencers in your life. You can go on social media, you always find somebody to try to influence you one way or the other. You go turn on the television, marketing companies are trying to influence you. And they appeal to you according to their perceived political beliefs a lot of times. If they know in a certain market that people are democratic, they're going to market to you a different way than they would someone in a rural town in Texas. They still want their product out there. And they're going to try to speak your language. And your language, basically, your buying habits, your values, your beliefs, all of these things. But you also have to realize... Both parties are motivated by fear. Democrats are worried about losing rights. Republicans are worried about the criminal aspect and being vulnerable. Looking over their shoulder. Now, both set of fears are a concern, but both of them are not a way of life that's what they would like for you to perceive. And the reason why they'd like you to perceive this is because the more fearful and vigilant you are, again, the more sensitive you are, the easier you are to manipulate. And that's what they go by. We can look at the past election. The Republicans thought that the economy was going to be the winning ticket, along with crime. The Democrats thought that Roe v. Wade was going to win the day for them. And in both cases, it kind of leveled out. The economy is a concern. But those of us who've been around for a while realize that 
politicians can't do anything with the economy. Even the policies they would implement today would not be in effect until after they left office. So it has nothing to do with it. This is something we have to work through. I was listening last night. In Los Angeles, the rents are going up by $100 a month. In Las Vegas, they're going down by $122 a month. The reason being, the economies are totally different in those two states. State of California, largest economy in the country. Nevada, much smaller. You look at the median income in these two cities, Los Angeles versus Las Vegas, there's a big difference. About a forty dollars to $50,000 year gap. So in that way, a lot of these communities throughout the country have said, okay, this is enough. You can't go any further. You've maxed out. talk about food insecurity but you rarely hear them talk about shelter insecurity and that's one of the big problems right now it's funny how the Republicans addressed food rent and gasoline kitchen table issues and yet that party represents all three of those entities when it comes down to the fuel manufacturers when it comes down to the food providers but remember they deal with big business so does the Democrats the Democrats go for funding for money from them the Republicans go in order to vote in their interests so if you have an Exxon that can get more value out of their fuel being sold in other places than in the United States they're going to go for it to be sensitive to you because you you are complaining about four or five dollar a gallon gas when they can get 12 in other markets this is what you have to realize they don't control that corporations do not the politicians You look at all of these economic downturns we've had. Bush lost his bid for president a second time because of the economy turning south. And so did many other presidents prior to him. And what changes when the second Bush left office? We were in a downward spiral financially. So we have to look at these issues. But what they do is they sidetrack you 
on things such as gun rights. They sidetrack you on things such as abortion. Because what they thought was going to happen was by repealing Roe v. Wade, that what that was going to do is get the enthusiasm going on the right in order to have this red wave they were hoping for that didn't come about. Gross miscalculation. Now, what's going to happen if they do get into power at the House and the Senate? Gridlock, a whole bunch of investigations that lead nowhere that's going to spend a lot of money on nothing. They'll probably try to impeach Biden and try to make him a lame duck president in the last year. The usual practice. And the cycle goes on and on. And you'll complain. Then you'll go out to vote for another president, probably in a different party, get the same results. Thinking that someone else can change your lives. You have to make that change, not them. Why do you think these congressmen and senators go into office on their base salary and when they come out they're multi-millionaires and have cush jobs waiting for them when they get out yeah they look out for your best interest but they look out for theirs even more they don't go on unemployment when they lose their seat in the senate and the congress they don't have to go and get an EVT card do they So where in the world can they identify with you? They can't do it when it comes down to money. They make more than you. Yeah, they listen to you. And they go back and do the same old, same old. But they listen to you at town hall meetings or when it's time to vote again. But outside of that, you don't hear from them. The one thing you have to learn about this country more than anything, if you don't know already, under capitalism, you have to do everything for yourself. You got to make yourself feel better. The government will acknowledge certain things. And let's face it, that stimulus, that $1,400, it helped. But let's face it, for the most part, it did very little for most people. But you have to look at your whole situation. Now, a lot of people reviewed their lives during COVID, and many of them saw that they were headed in the wrong direction, especially when they got laid off on the job. They had time to think and say, especially here in Vegas, working in the hospitality industry, they said, what the hell am I doing taking shit off of these people all the time? They felt as though they weren't going anywhere. A lot of these people just packed up and left. Some just changed the whole career path. But one thing that they had to realize was how vulnerable their careers were and still remain. Any other downturn experience that same problem. 
you could have left those casinos open. You still wouldn't have made the same amount of money anyway that they did when they were functioning because people were deathly afraid of going places around a whole bunch of other people and getting sick. No matter how you try to dress it up. And this is where you saw the Republicans actually take on the sentiments of the Democrats through the feeling of, I'm invincible. And the Democrats were saying, logically, wait a minute, you might get sick. So these things change. Just like conservatives were on the side of the British during the Revolutionary War in the beginning. And the liberals were the people fighting for America. So, you can see how they're interchangeable at times. We'll talk more in a moment. Alright, now, let's bring it home. So what does this mean? You are actually judged by your religion and you're judged by your politics on most of these dating apps. Now, a person may go and may not fill it out and they may say, oh, it doesn't matter. Or you'll have women who a lot of times will say, oh, I'm not into politics. I'm not involved in politics. It doesn't matter to me. But what we do is called passive listening. Until we hear something that pertains to us and then our ears perk up. Just like in the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Then all of a sudden those people that weren't in the politics now got into politics. Just like with some dormant black people, minorities, when Obama had a chance at winning presidency. Then all of a sudden, people that never voted perked up and said, oh, it's time for me to get to the polls. But you can't forget, you have other elections to worry about as well, things that are going to affect you at home. Because those people that vote on your behalf at home are also representing you on a micro level where it's going to impact you more. That senator that you said in Washington, D.C. may not have to deal with the city tax that you may have to deal with in your community. May not have to deal with the increase in utilities in your area. And so you have to be active on that if you want to have a say. But I know, sometimes we become apathetic. No matter what I do, things are going to stay the same. I get it. And that does happen more often than not. But what we have to realize, too, is this. Sex, politics, and religion are three things that shouldn't really break your relationship. If you get these things established early. With religion, the biggest problem that most people have is that it comes to child rearing 
How's the child going to be reared? What kind of values? What kind of religion? Will it be a compilation of those? Now, one thing I want to make clear, because I had one lady that um, I was thinking about dating. And she asked me, was I a Christian? I said, in name only. I'm a Sino. Christian in name only. And she said, what do you mean by that? I said, I put that on there to be politically correct. But I'm not. And she says, oh, I couldn't date you. I couldn't be with you. You're going to hell, etc., etc." Okay, I'll accept that. And she said, well, why, do you call, why don't you call yourself an atheist? I said, well, here's one thing about an atheist. First, they don't have any belief. They don't have any religion. Atheists, atheists don't have meetings. They don't have churches. I said, but here's the thing about them. They chose not to believe, and it's their choice not to. And the thing that I say is that for me, religion is not suitable for me. Well, how are you going to learn your values and your standards? And they always go on that tip. Without knowing, they just assume that you are this moralist, lawless, fledgling individual because they can only see it through the eyes of their religion. And this is the reason why I didn't want to really go into religion because of the fact that it colored your judgment too much. I have people now that I know personally that I can't even talk to longer than 15 minutes. Because they take their belief and try to use it as fact when it's not. The thing I can truly say without any unequivocal yes or no is that I don't know. Just like the majority of people. Your pastor, that Sunday, he doesn't know. He's believing, but he doesn't know. No one knows factually. Only thing we know is we got here. We know we got here through sex. We beat everybody out that tried to run against us in the sperm sack. And we're here. Like I said, we all should get first place trophies for being alive. Because we fucked up all the other sperms that tried to race against us. We were tripping them and shit. Elbowing them committing all kind of fouls, getting all kind of penalties, but we made it. But for some of us, we want to have the answer because it makes us feel better. Because in life, we all have coping tools. Some of you immerse yourselves in politics, some in sex, some in religion, some in alcohol or other vices, some into other things to deflect. And if that's your way of coping in life, all the well to you. You're going to always find criticism for what you do do and what you don't do. 
Now, the reason why a lot of people will go to religion is largely based on them being at a vantage point in life where they can point out other people's indiscretions and yet in the same term being vindicated for their own. I'll point the finger at you. Oh, can't touch me. I'm saved. God has already forgiven me. But you, on the other hand, they want that vantage point. Makes them feel better than others. And therefore, especially if that person's a narcissist, that high sense of self puts them in that position. These prosperity ministers, they're Teflon. Got to get an appointment to talk to the pastor. When you could talk to God for free, that's the security team backing me up. And the sad truth is, a lot of times when this occurs, we don't call it for what it is. You sit there in a congregation as a follower and let the pastor ask you for a jet, and you'll figure out a way in that congregation to raise the money to get the pastor a jet, to get the pastor a nice-looking home, a nice car. There are some pastors in Los Angeles that live in Bel Air. And yet, some of the very people that go to their churches get that $1,398 a month from Social Security, trying to figure out how the hell they're going to eat the next week. And what has happened in our society? We have fused religion with capitalism in many aspects of it. There are some people out there that are devoutly good, that are actually trying to do good by society. And then there are others that are exploiting the opportunity for their own benefit. Nothing different. They had it in days of old, they have it now. Charlatans and everything else. You come in too rigid, that could be problematic. Now, another thing, too. It's not uncommon for a woman to... Usually, you see women do this more so than men, but men do it on occasion, too. That will do something that's messed up and then say, oh, I'm a Christian, as if they're a shield from scrutiny or some sort of exemption from being accountable or responsible. It's all a facade. And we have to go beyond the obvious and really look at the reality of it. Because sometimes what we do, we want salvation through someone else's efforts. And sometimes we have to realize that it's all about us to save ourselves. 
what America would really like, and when I talk about America, I'm talking about these Americans that really want to go in there and slash budgets. They don't want to spend any money on the people. Social programs, the right would like to do away with that altogether. And just have that working relationship between the wealthy, the corporations, and the government. And let the charities and churches take care of the masses of the underclass and the people that can't make it. As the wealthiest nation in the world, it's embarrassing for a person to have a job, two jobs, in some cases three, and still be on food stamps. But there are families that are like that. They're not trying to shortchange or cheat anybody. They're just working hard and not making enough. Maybe they started out too early with their families and didn't get the education they needed in order to promote themselves in their careers. But then again, there's a sense of sobriety that has to take place. Many on the extreme right want Roe v. Wade overturned. The reason why they wanted it was so that they would have more white babies, meaning that they would be the majority and remain that way. Because there are some people that are deathly afraid of becoming a minority because they don't want to be treated as minorities have been treated in this country. They're afraid of a backlash. They're afraid of some sort of uh, uprising of some sort. Are minorities being in charge and then treating them the way they had treated them? Fear is a motivator. But fear can also be a detriment. So, when you get discriminated by a partner, or, well, I wouldn't say a partner, by someone that may overlook you on a dating search, and you really like them, and you see religion and politics are going to be a problem, you're doing yourself a favor by not dealing with them. see the thing you have to realize fundamentally when you click Christian for instance there are different types of Christians and some will have a category Christian Protestant Catholic different types of Protestant you could be Episcopalian the other one could be Methodist so you have to see what the philosophical beliefs are now, I know we would like to say love will conquer all, we'll make compromises, we'll do this. People say that all the time until they get involved and realize that there are certain things that people won't budge on when it comes to religion. Same thing with politics. Same thing with sex. Your love, no matter how strong it is, is never going to conquer everything. Please understand, there are going to be fits and starts in your relationship with this. Sounds small, sounds minuscule. Oh, we're just not going to talk about politics. I've heard many couples talk about that. 
They said that until something came up that they really got upset about. And that damn near broke the relationship in half. It's always good to talk to your partner about things, current events, those kind of things. See where their head is. See where you guys have an impasse on. See where you guys don't agree. Because if you don't, you may be surprised later on. One a moment. A lot of people will structure their beliefs and their morals and standards, values, based on religion. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. The thing is, are they congruent or compatible to what you bring to the relationship? Politics, same thing. Sex. Same thing. You may be into something that that person's totally not into. You should talk about these things after you have agreed to go on and make that commitment. It's one of the first things you should address, those first three things. Now, many people will tell you, a lot of these dating coaches, don't talk about those things. Just get into the relationship and then work it out. Sometimes, it may be a non-starter. You look at places like Belfast back in the day. Where you had the Loyalists versus the Catholics. For those of you who don't know, the Loyalists were people that were bound by the crown. In other words, the Queen of England, now the King of England, King Charles is over not only the European uh, not only the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth he's also the head of the Anglican Church so he wears two crowns he's the equivalent of the Pope in the Anglican Church just like Queen Elizabeth was and everyone before her so what this means then is that they have a state religion. Something in America we can't have because we have so many of them. I know we talk about and God we trust is on the money thanks to Dwight Eisenhower. But we also have to look at some other things too got to ask yourselves with this diverse nation of people we have multiple cultures here so there's really no true American culture yeah we try to make the gunslingers out west representative of the American culture but as we've seen that has faded in history don't even see any westerns anymore hardly I mean the last one that I even thought of thought that was produced was the one with Alec Baldwin with what happened to him recently and that incident 
It was unfortunate for the young lady and her family. Because American culture is based on a lot of things. They're all valid. Our people of the First Nation, Native Americans, the first inhabitants of this country. We name helicopters after their tribes. Apache helicopter. We do all these things. And now what has become is a tapestry of all these cultures put together. Spaghetti. A common dish that's made in many households here in America. Pizza parlors. Imports from Europe. That's what makes this country so beautiful, is the diversity. Without it, we wouldn't make it. We just wouldn't. The advances that we've had within the last century and this century has been really attributed to people from other nations. We're still having that done by people coming into this country with HB19 visas, working in science, medicine, technologies, many of the very fields that many Americans don't go into. Because the old model was based on the agrarian system. Keep them uneducated and working for less. realizing now is people are demanding more. Amazon realized that. What are they doing now? They're telling their employees, okay, you can go and specialize in computer software, infrastructure planning. They're doing the right thing. Because these people, blue-collar workers, needed to have an opportunity beyond the scope of just working 30 years, retiring, and then going and having to take a part-time job at Walmart as a greeter. They had to have a future of some sort because they're demanding it now. After all, we're the wealthiest nation in the world need now to start acting like it. And it starts with educating the people because that's what's been missing. You look at Germany, you can go to college there for free whether you're a citizen or not. Here, you got to laden yourself with debt for decades. Some of these people are paying on their student loan as long as they'll be paying on their mortgage. The 
They try to give some student loan relief. $10,000 helped. But the problem is, these people are four or five times that in debt. Many of these universities are offering courses online but still charging the same amount as they did when you were there at the brick and mortar facility. Why? With the advent of technology, things should be cheaper. You know, people always complain about food prices, gas prices, all these other things that constantly go up with inflation. We never complain about universities going up on their prices, do we? The reason being is because it's not an essential component to many people's lives where it should be for them to have a better standard of living. This coming generation is going to be far more educated and wealthier than any generation in the past because they're applying themselves. They're just not going out there working like a fool trying to work their way up to a CEO position that they'll probably never get. These young folks are coming in realizing the tools they'll need in order to advance and to climb that ladder. They're not going to be complacent with just working 60 hours a week and getting that paycheck and praying for overtime because they're requiring more not because they're spoiled. It's because they've seen the mistakes that past generations, including my own, had made. There's complacency. Stagnation. And they look at us to say, you worked all those years and that's all you have? This is all you've done? That's the way it goes. Part of this economic hardship has to do with some of the choices we made in our lives and we don't want to face it. Some of you started out with a family too soon in life. Some of you are living well beyond your means. Some of you have decided to create your own American dream by spending and not earning it. We saw plenty of that in 2008, didn't we? People buying houses they couldn't afford. Thinking that it was going to last forever. Mark Zuckerberg, for instance, with uh, Facebook, hired all those people when the COVID pandemic was really heavy. Spent all that money, burned through all that money, but failed to plan after the pandemic. But now he has to lay off all those folks. One of the CEOs that we studied during the MBA program was Mulaney, who was CEO of Ford. 
and years before the financial crisis hit in 2008, he established several lines of credit for Ford in preparation for a downturn in the economy. Now, he didn't use those lines of credit. He just had them open. He then started working on efficiency. And they looked at some of the indicators. All these people were buying homes. But what changed? What made that happen? Nothing more than they lowered the standards for people to get into houses. That was it. But if you notice, the reason why you have such a housing shortage now The banks are not trusting the consumer with homes as readily like they used to. So they're hanging on to those properties, leasing them out through firms to go and rent them out to families. It's easier to evict a family than it would be to foreclose on one. They don't have to worry about losing the money on on the property. So naturally, with the housing shortage, those homes that are in the market, they have gone up considerably. Competition is real stiff for them. A lot of people have bought homes sight unseen, in some cases as is, and they're spending more money to fix those homes than it would have been for them to have waited until the market actually came back to a state of normalcy. what they've done. You go in some of these out-of-the-way places. People are coming in from California and Nevada and different places, and they're paying exorbitant prices for homes in smaller communities. Well, a lot of those people are like, oh yeah, my property values increase, so have your taxes. is make it harder for those people who live in those communities to even stay there anymore and some of them are moving to other places that are cheaper it's like a domino effect what's amazing folks is this we have deep sea ridges off the coast of well in the Pacific pretty good distance away from California about 3,000 miles from California But here's the thing. If there was another shift in those deep sea ridges and we had a tsunami that hit the coast of California, the value of those properties would drop immensely. Same thing with Florida. One natural disaster and the value is shot. Again, we have put the value on whatever we're willing to pay for property. What we are is intrinsic value. And sometimes we have to look at that too. How much you're willing to risk.
I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.